so continue to keep Sister Karen in your prayers as she strengthens uh, recovering from these health issues. So pray for Karen. All right. Uh, good evening, everybody. Um, good to have you all here tonight. We're going to be in uh, John chapter 5. We're in Life of Messiah, our study and paragraph, if you're following along in uh, Ariel's uh, Harmony of the Gospels, paragraph 50. And um, I, I, as we begin tonight, I want to, we're going to begin uh, dealing with a topic tonight. And I'll do my best for those of you who are watching online or listening through an audio broadcast of this to keep you connected to what's happening in here because uh, maybe nobody will say anything, uh, but Pastor Danny's back, so odds go up that someone will say something, and we miss you when you're gone. Um, and um, But we'll have a little bit of discussion. Uh, paragraph 50, we're in Life of Messiah, studying the four gospel accounts in the life of the Lord Jesus from a Jewish perspective. We've been looking at the point early in Jesus' ministry where the conflict with the Pharisees and the Sadducees over uh, the Mishnah and specifically rabbinic Judaism uh, as opposed to uh, biblical Judaism. In other words, all the, some of the rules that we discussed, uh, how the rabbis over the 400 years between the Old and New Testament, how the different uh, leaders of the different rabbinic schools came in and made different, you know, everybody said, oh, the, the law says to do this, and, and, and we can be safe by not doing that. Then let's build this fence and say, don't do that. Then they build another fence, and everyone just got rules, rules, rules. Um, and last week, we looked at the conflict that they had, that Jesus had with them over fasting. Uh, today we're going to look at, at another issue of the day that the Pharisees had that was by far the most intense area of conflict that Jesus had with the Pharisees. Uh, one of the reasons they hated him so very, very much and viewed him as a, a blasphemer and a false prophet, false teacher. Uh, one of the big reasons was the issue we're going to look at tonight. Now, uh, what we're going to do tonight, we're going to begin tonight by looking at the, the, the story, and then we'll get into the story probably more next week itself, but tonight we're going to do a little bit of background on it. So we're going to be in John chapter number five, John chapter number five and beginning in verse number one, uh, the Bible says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool, which called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, of halt, of withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now for a long time in that case. And he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, and sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day, it is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. So that's the basic story we're going to look at here with this man that is healed. But tonight we're going to begin at a beginning and the end of the story. We're told in verse number one, after this, there was a feast of the Jews. Uh, now, when the Bible says there was a feast of the Jews, what does that mean? Now, Dr. Arnold brings out that from a Jewish perspective, in the Old Testament and, and in rabbinic writings, when they mentioned a feast, it almost always came 
with a specific designation. It was the, the feast of the Day of Atonement. It was the, the feast of Pentecost. It was the, you know, the feast of trumpets, whatever it was. But if it, it was not marked, it was typically uh, assumed that it was the feast of Passover. If it didn't have any qualifiers, that probably Passover. Now, A.T. Robertson, if you read his harmony, which is probably the most famous harmony of the Gospels, putting all four together, uh, he, in the subnotes, if you have that harmony, which many of you do, writes uh, quite a bit about um, this passage and does conclude that this is the Passover. And he concludes that this is probably the second one in Jesus' public ministry. He went through three Passovers. This event probably is one that takes place at that second one. But it is most important to uh, the, the Passover, probably one of the most important of all the ones that were observed. And we find that Jesus heals this paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda. Um, and when we look at the story, we start with verse 1 tells us it was probably Passover. Then in verse 9, it tells us on the day that Jesus said, you know, take your beard and walk. The Bible tells us, and on the same day was the Sabbath. So it was the Sabbath day. So it was a Sabbath day during Passover, which, if you ever see this in the Bible, they'll call it a high Sabbath day because it happened during you know, a feast time. And Jesus heals this man and commands him to take up his bed and walk. And the Pharisees immediately tell this healed man that he violated the rules of the Sabbath. That's why I entitled tonight Sabbath Day Rules is our Bible study. And we're going to do a little discussion tonight on background on um, the Sabbath day. It's, it's a, um, it's, it is the biggest point of conflict that the New Testament records between Jesus and the, you know, they, they despised him for this over Mishnaic rules. Um, but when you think about the Sabbath day, I don't know, most Christians probably say, what difference does that make, you know? Uh, why, why do you think is it important to understand anything about the Sabbath day. Anybody, why is it important to know something about it? Anybody got any reasons that we might be important? There could be, I'm, it's not one of my trick, famous trick questions. I'm just throwing out there. No, nobody wants, yeah, 4.0. Okay, 4.0. Uh, and I was going to ask when's the first time the Bible talks about the day, the Sabbath day. Um, and, you know, if you answer Genesis, you answered wrong. Um, <laughs> No, wrong. If you read Genesis, it says on the seventh day, the Lord rested. Um, now, the, the, the point of the Sabbath doesn't really get introduced till Exodus, you know, um, which is an interesting distinction. Some make, some don't. But you're right, 4.0. The, the principle begins in, in the day of the week of creation. We find that on the seventh day, God rested. Um, why? Anybody else? Yeah, Jerry. That's right. That, that Exactly. On the Sabbath day, there's a lot of things that Jewish people could not do. We're going to talk about that if we get to it tonight. That's my intention to get to answering some of those, why that is. Um, I, I, you got to keep it holy. There you go. Uh, remember the Sabbath day uh, in Exodus 20 to keep, to keep it holy. Um, anybody else? If, if I were to think apologetically, why does it matter? Um, why does the Sabbath <laughs> I know you were working. You were working. You were. I saw you back there. He's telling the truth uh, this time. Um, he wasn't telling the truth a minute ago when he said that he'd never seen these chairs. Because when I came back off the cruise and I walked in the auditorium the first time, this whole middle section was already here. Now, I know you didn't put that qualifier in there, you know. <laughs> 
I'm picking on Pastor Danny. Um, and uh, you know you did the right thing when DT doesn't like it. So Bonnie points to you. So um, um, the question is, why is it important to understand the Sabbath day and have thoughts about it? Why is it an important issue? Or is it just a nothing burger? Um, yeah, Hunter? Okay, all right, all right. Hunter's, Hunter's bringing up a point that, that basically what Hunter is saying is it's important because it's the Lord's Day, um, which brings me to the, to the point there's a lot of Christians, and, and before I say some of the stuff I say tonight, right, please, this is one of those I want to preface, okay? <laughs> I'm learning from Pastor Danny. I want to preface this way. There's some good folks that have some differing views on this. I, I was one that in some ways had held in, in my spiritual walk. I've, I've probably held different couple different persuasions on this. Uh, but I will tell you in full disclosure that, you know, understanding the Jewish perspective is what one of the reasons I fell in love with Life of Messiah and Ariel Ministries is that when I finally saw the scriptures and somebody Jewish showed me the perspective, it, these are, this is the kind of issue that all of a sudden went from being something that was like, whoa, to, oh, that makes perfect sense. And so I did settle on it. But what Hunter is basically saying is there are some Christians that believe that there is the, a, the Christian Sabbath. If I say, what, what day of the week is the Christian Sabbath? Sunday. All right. That you have to go now. I, I grew up, I have a couple, my first church we were in probably didn't hold so much of that view. Our second church probably did somewhat. And then I went to PCC. And at PCC, they, on Sunday, they, they really were into that because on Sunday they would shut down everything. You know, on Sunday you could go to church in the morning and then you went to the meal and, you know, they, the student center was shut down. The library was shut down. I think the library was shut down. Hey, do any other PCC students here? Now you, the young ones, you guys don't count because it went, you know, you guys went soft by the time you guys got there. Um, but us old people, you know, they, and Sunday you couldn't do anything. What they wanted you to do on Sunday was go to church, eat, take a nap, get up and, I don't know, goof around in the dorms, do things we weren't supposed to do, break things, get demerits, things like that. And then go to church that night and, it, it you know, and I had never really done that. But, you know, honestly, because of that, even after Jenny and I got married and our kids would probably tell you that Sunday afternoon for years at our house, and now I do it because of my stinking health, but uh, Sunday afternoon's a rest still to this day is. But I remember thinking to myself back when I was a college student, being the critical-minded person that I can be, I'm like, okay, if we can't do anything on this because it's supposedly it's the Lord's Day, then how come the people who work in food service have to work? How come when a Becca book is behind schedule that they'll let people work at a Becca book that day? If you know if you're gonna if you're gonna hold it, then hold it. You know, um, but that I'm being a little hard on them. So, you know, it's okay. Appreciate them. But uh, yes, Hunter, I think you're on it. You know, that the, is there such a thing as the Christian Sabbath? Anybody else can think why it would be important to understand what you think about the Sabbath day? There you go. There's my apologetic leader coming out. Um, you're going to have people and it, the Seventh-day Adventists, bless them. Well, unbless them. Um, let me back that up. You know, they've tried real hard to go mainline, and I know there's some, and I don't, I'm, I'm one that believes simple faith alone, but I, so I don't want to go too far, so don't believe, don't send in the things, Pastor Danny will make a video, and then you can attack him, um, but uh, this would be a good video topic at some point, uh, but 
Seventh-day Adventists will tell you that we have it all wrong and that we should be having church on Saturday. Anybody know anybody that, that go, uh, uh, that's a Christian that goes to church on Saturday? I'm just curious. Does anybody here know anybody like that? Um, a couple of you do. Uh, many of you do, actually. So, it, you know, it, it's out there, and they're going to talk to you about it, and they're going to bring Bible verses to you, and they're going to want to talk to you a lot about the Sabbath day. And so it, it can. Now, I think there are other, I couldn't, I think there are a couple other, you know, uh, other schools of thought that on, on this topic that can kind of take you down a, a bad road. But um, when, when I say the Sabbath, you know, what does that mean to you? Anybody? Say it's now it's the Sabbath day. Other than Jerry bringing up, you shouldn't do any work. Anybody else have anything else that means to you? Yeah, Mike? All right, it's it it's all right. It's sanctified. It's set apart. Um, how about let's move on to this topic of is is Sunday the day that Christians ought to be in church? I'm curious. Anybody is Sunday the day that Christians ought to be in church? Let me let me start it this way. Is is Sunday the Christian Sabbath? I think that's a fair analogy. Uh, you think it's a fair comparison? You think it's fair to to bring the rules of the Sabbath onto Sunday? If you observe them, Danny, Pastor Danny, we've probably all broken them. Okay, uh, pro probably so. Yep. You're, that's in Corinthians, I believe. That, and the one, when people hold that view, I bring that to them and I say, well, what, is, what did Paul mean when he said that every day was clean unto itself? What do you do with the book of Acts that says every day they met daily? Um, now, I, I would ask you, that is a slightly different question, Matt, which I think Matt probably was thinking, is Sunday a special day for Christians? That's when we have our church service. That's the answer I'm looking for right there because that's when church is open. See, Rebecca, that's why you're the better half. That is for sure. Um, why, why? In addition to that, which is good, why are we open on Sunday? All right, it's traditional. Yes, Hunter? Okay, and why, you guys, I can't believe you're missing this. Why is the first day of the week pretty important? <laughs> because that was the day of the resurrection. <laughs> we got there, if you're watching online. Bless God, we got there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of Christians in here. We got, we got there. Sundays, you know, I, you can't argue that the Bible goes out of its way to make sure to, to say that we know that Jesus rose on the first day of the week. Every gospel account specifically tells us that. And you can also see that someone in the book of Acts. Now, that being said, because Sunday is special to a Christian, because every Sunday ought to be our reminder as a Christian, really, every Sunday when you come, and boy, would it not change, myself included, when, when you get up on a Sunday, you know, remember that this is the day the Lord rose. This is resurrection day. It would really help us because I don't know about you, but by the time I get to that through that last week, there's a lot of things weighing me down. There's issues I don't want to deal with and there's problems I've dealt with. And, and the resurrection is the ultimate solution because the biggest thing, if you don't have Christ and the biggest thing as a human being that you're going to face is you're going to die. And someone you love is going to die. And as Paul wrote, without the resurrection, there is no hope. And so, I, you know, I don't, 
I personally think it's wonderful and I think worshiping on Sunday is a wonderful thing, but you, you, I would challenge anyone that holds that view to find where the, 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 the apostles or anywhere in the New Testament commands us that we must meet on Sunday. Don't, I, you maybe you're out there and you can, you can show me, but I, I don't see it. We, we see some precedent there, but as I mentioned, we see precedent of other things too. So if you're going to make precedent doctrine, you, you, you're going to go all out there. I just, I, I, I would argue with, or I personally would be uncomfortable with anybody to feel that way. Um, I've told you this illustration before, but it's a good one. Uh, I remember a, a, a friend of mine or a guy that I knew that we supported admissions out of our first church. I think he came here early on. I, but he was a missionary to the Jewish people in Israel, and he was doing ministry work in Jerusalem itself. And as he did that, he started a church, and they would meet on Sunday. Well, if you're in there, and there's a group of people meeting on Sunday in, in some of the Orthodox, it doesn't take them very hard to figure out what's going on. And Christianity, if you're a Christian in certain parts of, of Jerusalem, the, the, there, if you don't think that hostility has ended, you're, <laughs> you'd be mistaken. So one of the things he decided to do that he could reach more, more Jewish people is begin to meet on Saturday night. And he sent me an email back in those days. That was email days primary. And he told me how he was losing support because people said he'd gone heretical because he wasn't having his church on Sunday. I... I I hadn't even really fully encountered Arnold at that point, but I knew enough in my spirit to say, wait a minute, you telling me, you know, Paul, didn't he say something to the effect I, to the Jews, I became as Jewish and to the, he, you know, and he wasn't meaning to dumb down as that verse is often quoted to say, that means I can go live like a heathen to just be a heathen. Paul was just trying to say, I want to do the most effective while maintaining my testimony that I can to win the people. And I, got, I remember telling him in my email, if you can get more unbelieving Jewish people to come on a Saturday night, bless God, have church on Saturday night. And, and here's another little fact you don't know. <laughs> Probably nobody, very few. Matt may know this. I may have told Matt this. I may have told Pastor Danny this. That'd be the only two. Um, several years ago, probably four or five years ago, six years ago, I, we were at a kind of a church. When you have a church, we kind of go through like this, kind of like life, you know. And we were kind of in one of those ruts, and I just it felt like everything we tried wasn't working, and we were just on these. And I remember laying, I remember Jenny, and she's not here to witness this, uh, to confirm it, but she may be listening, so hon, tell everybody, because she heard it. I considered very, 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 very seriously beginning a church service on Friday night. And, and one of the things I was going to do is not tell any of you. That was the one Matt was looking at me like, you're going to do what? Because there's sometimes the worst, the biggest hindrance. <laughs> I'm not going good on this on my past. How to win your crowd over. You're the problem. Um, um, now, it really wasn't so much that as much as it was. Sometimes when new believers come in, the biggest people to squelch them out are other believers. Just like on this issue of the Sabbath, you know, you may hold a different view right now and understand. I just want to, what my goal here is to provoke you a little bit to think about, understand it is important. You need to know it's, it's an important day. God did talk about the Sabbath a lot. And it was a big part of the Old Testament. It's this big thing that Jesus deals with a lot here in the Gospels. Then we, then we run into it even more in Galatians and other places. So it, it, it's an important issue uh, in, in, you know, as a Christian, if you want to grow in your faith, this is one of those things you should have some understanding of. 
but I did. I thought I thought about it. Um, you know, I and and honestly, I would still do it. I've still thought about it. One of you say, why didn't you do it? Well, there are several reasons. It wasn't because Matt said I couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> you were very supportive, actually, very supportive. Both so so was Pastor Danny. I, I've been so blessed in that. You know, that's one of the things that talk about whose fault it is. You know, um, boy, I'm going to get in trouble here if anybody's listening south of the border, although we are south of the border, but um, in the south, the, a southern state that's really more like a northern state, i.e. Florida, but um, I, I, I had some obstacles there, and sometimes when things didn't work, I could say, well, they just wouldn't let me, you know, I wanted to do this, and I, you know, an open door, if it's, if it's, that's my fault, you know, I, it's, it's on me, if it's, you know, so I, I felt that, but I would still do it, then my health went bad, and you know, I just didn't have the energy I once did and stuff like that. Things happened and just wouldn't. But I, I, I would do it. And I was going to just kind of make it a very drastically different approach. Um, and principally the same, but methodolic, methodolic, how do I say I'm looking at the word methodologically <laughs> that sounds good from a book author that sounds highly methodologically i like that word if it doesn't exist we now own it it's like a suicide i want i want that i want that word too you know a suicide and methodologically um <laughs> different so uh, and so we're going to go over i don't have time to to go completely into this but you know and it's something if you want to study it i would strongly encourage you dr frutenbaum I believe it is. I know Brother Brock many years ago when he and I were discussing this issue. I don't know if Brock, if you're watching or listening, if you remember this, but he gave me a a, a big packet that was a, a big chapter basically that Dr. R. Frutenbaum had written on the subject and it's really good. And I could probably get that to you if you're interested in studying and I could probably find that. If not, Brock probably knows exactly what I'm talking about. But we do need to do a little bit of background on what this issue is, even to understand the story in John chapter number five. Um, all the conflicts that Jesus had with the Pharisees, this one was by far the biggest when it came to Mishnaic rules. Um, I, as I've said to you before, one of the things I like about the Lord and where so many times I think his personality is misrepresented, you know, for example, that somehow Jesus was some kind of Mickey Mouse kind of guy. You know, personally, that's offensive to me. And, and unfortunately, too much of Christianity and too, men have not willing to stand up and be manly. And boy, does our culture need men to be men and women to be women. Amen. Amen. Man, we need it. And, and Jesus, I, one of the things I like about this particular issue is even in this one, it was a high Sabbath. That wasn't just even just a regular. It would have been a big deal on a regular Sabbath day, but this is probably a Sabbath on the Passover. You talk about all the big wigs who was anybody of all Pharisaism. They were in town. They were in Jerusalem. And if you think that Jesus walked into the, the pool of Bethesda and healed this guy and then immediately gives him a command to take up his bed and walk by accident, you are out of your mind. So Jesus goes into a place where he knows they're not going to like what he does and he does it anyway. Now, I know some would say, ooh, that's provocative. Take it up with the Lord. I don't know. All I know is sometimes in the right time with the right, because I know Jesus had a point to always did to do what he did, and this man was going to get healed, and obviously the, the needs of this man outweighed it, but he could have healed the guy, could have waited a day, couldn't he have? Could have come back, he could have been there the day before, but he, will, he chose this very time to heal this man, then give the man a command. 
Now, I'm pretty sure the man knew the, the rules. That this, this, you can't work on the Sabbath and carrying a bed definitely would have qualified as work. And yet the man, if I'd have been laying there 38 years, I probably, I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he gets up and the, the Pharisees immediately attack him. They don't go to him and say, hey, you're walking after 38 years. Look who's walking. No, they say, you're carrying that. You're carrying a bed. This is where sometimes, unfortunately, in a church, in a church setting, we got to recognize that sometimes when somebody gets saved and they, they just, they're early and they're baby Christians and then sometimes more mature Christians say, well, what are you doing that for? What are you, where are you going? You know, you're, you're a big idiot, you know. Uh, <laughs> you're breaking the rules. Now, understand that Jesus did keep the Sabbath as the biblical teaching according to the Old Testament. He kept it down to every detail. So as I say this, please don't think that Jesus was trying to violate biblical rules concerning the Sabbath. We know that Jesus fulfilled all the law and kept it. But he did go out of his way to violate man's rules. And that's why sometimes... We have, there's this delicate balance between we are told in the scriptures not to be offensive. You're not to go in and purposely try to offend them. Sometimes, I remember Jenny and I, there's some points in our, our marriage, you know, when we were going to go someplace, I would say to her, hey, hon, maybe you better, you better wear this or not wear that because there might be someone there that was going to be offended by it. But there also was came a point where I would tell her, Put on your favorite pair of jeans and let's go. <laughs> um, and and I, think, I think there can be a, a, a point made and a, and a right case for both of those. You say, well, how do you know? You know by what is your motive and what is the Holy Spirit trying to tell you to do? But sometimes, matter of fact, I would say, don't you think it's maybe it's Christianity today, even inside our culture, we might do a little better if we made some people a little uncomfortable every now and then. But we're always the ones that clam up and just back down. Jesus went to the, in front of the powers that be and did something that he knew was going to tick him off. Now, there are a lot of reasons uh, they were mad. And um, as we go through these Sabbath rules, I want to just begin, as Dr. Frutenbaum gives, just a couple observations about the Sabbath and why it was such a big deal. Um, first thing Dr. Frutenbaum pointed out was remember that in the, the biblical and rabbinic Judaism, the most important element was the temple. Right? The temple itself, obviously they needed the temple, but AD 70 comes along and the temple's gone. But even while the temple was there, next to the temple itself, the most holy observance to the Jewish people and the leadership was the observance of the Sabbath. And then after AD 70, when the temple in Jerusalem was wiped out, the Sabbath observance became the central tenet of rabbinic Judaism as it is to this day. They understood how important it is. Now, we understand the word Sabbath means, you know, rest. And it is, I think Brother Warren said, it's, a, it's said in the scriptures uh, to be a holy day. It's because it's set apart for a specific purpose. And even if, matter of fact, and today in, in Judaism for a long time, the rabbis began already building their fences. They had a special prayer. They do have a special prayer called the Kaddush, which is a prayer of praise when the Sabbath begins, which, you know, would be what, Friday at sundown begins Sabbath and then 
you know, till sunrise the next day. And then there's a prayer called the Havdalah prayer, which they, is a prayer of praise and thankfulness and for, for the distinction of the Sabbath day from the other six days. And then they commanded that during the Sabbath day, the rabbis taught that the Torah should be taught. Now, the word Torah literally means to be instructed or instruction or doctrine. It, it's teaching men about God and each other. And as the rabbis taught the Torah, they put basically the teaching into two groups as they went through all of them. They had one set of groups that was all the teaching that concerned social and moral laws, how we're supposed to get along with each other. Pretty important, isn't it? And then the other set of laws was the ceremonial and liturgical things, and this is how you do this, and this is how you do that. There's these two, ex two extremes, which, by the way, are very important to bring together in your life. Your relationships with other people are very much predicated and influenced by how you walk with God. Isn't it? And how the rabbis saw this, and I think this is profound, and I, I give the rabbis credit, they viewed the Sabbath day as the union, as the blending between those two things. So on the Sabbath day, you rested and you didn't do any work. Instead, you, would, you developed relationship. Wouldn't it be good if we all Sabbathed a little bit? You know, in America today, life is so busy that we just, and sometimes relationship gets lost in that. And in our culture today, with all the technology, and oh, you got to put some things, say, okay, time out. <laughs> and yet, when the problems of struggle come, how am I going to handle this problem? Well, do I have to come over here on the liturgical side? Have I wronged somebody this week that I need to go offer a sin offering or a peace offering or a trespass offering? And so how do I do that? You see how they come together? It's an interesting thing. They also, uh, matter of fact, I read one uh, uh, author that actually Dr. Fruitenbaum mentions him, Dr. Donald uh, Verspute. Verspute, ever heard of him, Pastor Taney? And I had never heard of him, but Arnold mentions him. So, But this guy said that the Sabbath is, quote, the very heart of the law. And also they taught that the Sabbath was viewed as this, this core truth of separating Israel from all other nations. Which isn't that true to this very day? You know, if you see somebody that's doing something very different on, that's observing Sabbath, unless they're, they're either Jewish or Seventh-day Adventist, I guess you can narrow it down to that. And I'd never realized how intently the rabbis viewed keeping the Sabbath. Until I went through this with Dr. Fruit, I'd really never considered how it was. They, matter of fact, Dr. Frutenbaum mentions verses like um, Exodus 31, uh, Exodus 31, verse 15. Let me read this to you, verse 15 to 17 in Exodus. The Bible says, and this is in the law, of course, Exodus, six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work in the day of the Sabbath, he shall surely be put to death. Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. In six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. So we see that they, they, they trace that back there, but it was defined specifically for the Sabbath as a sign between God and Israel. One of the big distinctions that I think many people lose sight of is that, that the Sabbath day is in a biblical sense of not working all that was something that God specifically said was a sign between him and the children of Israel. Um, and so, but it definitely shows this connection between God and the people through the Sabbath. Now, Dr. Frutenbaum, he, he goes, he uses several pages that 
that's what you pay me to do to bring you. Know, you certainly don't want to read all the all the rabbinic writings. It gets pretty tedious. I'm not going to lie to you. But basically, he points out that the rabbis were so focused on the on the Sabbath and its importance that they personified it in their writings, which means they gave it traits of a person and they would talk to the Sabbath. And there are many of them that would write like the Hellenistic commentary points out. One rabbi said, quote, those that honor you honor me and those who reject you reject me. In other words, those who honor you the Sabbath honor me, God, Jehovah. And if you reject the Sabbath, you reject me. Now, they took it even farther. The rabbis took this thinking even farther, um, quoting Isaiah chapter number 30. Now, listen to this verse in verse 15, Isaiah 30 in verse 15. The Bible says, For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, and ye would not. Now, one of my arguments to them would be they, they, they link it to the Sabbath because God says in returning and rest, and he may certainly be referring to the Sabbath there, but in the immediate context, that's not, the point of the passage is not to be teaching about Sabbath here. But nonetheless, what they took from that verse and were very adamant about is that all Israel could be saved if all Israel would observe the Sabbath one time altogether, then Messiah would come. Fascinating. You ever heard that before? I certainly had not. It, it, it's interesting. I mean, um, this, as I said, they th considered the Sabbath the very heart of the law, the union of the, the, the person, you know, the social and moral commands and the liturgical ones were all combined in the Sabbath. And therefore, ultimately, in the rabbinic mindset of Jesus' day, observing the Sabbath was the equivalent to keeping all the law. Wow. You see, all the schedules in the Jewish life revolved around the Sabbath. Matter of fact, did you know that in Hebrew, at least this is what Dr. Frutenbaum says, so I'm going to fall on his sword on that. Uh, there's only, in Hebrew, only one day of the week, one day of the week was named. Only one. And you know which one it is. It's the seventh day, and it's called Sabbat. And you hear Shabbat, I think is how it's often pronounced in the Hebrew. I'm not real good in, uh, in Hebrew. But um, every other day of the week is just, this is the first day of the week. Which, when you read your New Testament, when the disciples came and they talk about it, what do they say? We went to the, the tomb, now the first day of the week. That's why many Jewish folks who think the New Testament's all Gentile, if you can finally get one to read it, they see right away, oh, this is speaking in a Jewish perspective because it's a Jewish book. Or the fifth day of the week. The only day that had a name was the Sabbath day, Shabbat. And other than that, they would say, they, then they would divide the other six days between days one to three were considered after the Sabbath and days four through six were considered before the Sabbath. So if you said after the Sabbath, you could narrow it down what time of the week you were and if, or, or after, whatever it was. The rabbis went so far as to teach the whole reason why God created Israel was so Israel could honor the Sabbath. They taught that Israel was made for the Sabbath. It's taken a little far, isn't it? But that's Arnold, Arnold backs it up with rabbinic writings. Now, when you understand all this, because we're out of time, can you see why the Pharisees were so mad at Jesus for breaking the Sabbath day rules? 
By the time of Jesus was on the scene, the rabbis had added over 1,500 rules in how not to violate the Sabbath. 1,500. That's a lot. Now, the question I have, how'd they get the 1,500? Well, we talked about the pill-pull logic. If you didn't see it, you've got to go back to last week, I believe, and you can find out that, that, uh, that logic philosophy. Just build another fence of safety, build another fence. And what you'll find, though, is how they came with these rules, because this was what intrigued me. All right, Who sat down one day and said, this is what you can do and what you can't do on the Sabbath day? Does anybody know how they did it? Before I, before I tell you, you know, please, it's not because I'm smart. It's because Dr. Frutenbaum's smart and I'm not smart. I, thought, I found this fascinating. Um, the rabbi said, well, we know we're commanded we shouldn't work and we should rest. So what does it mean not to work? And they said, if we go to the Torah and we just use that as our guideline on what is it not to work, they came up with what I consider to be a brilliant solution. And that is... They considered the epic point of work was the construction of the tabernacle. So what they did is they went back to the, the, all the Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, wherever they talked about how, you know, I know it's an Exodus for sure, the building of the tabernacle. And they identified 39 different categories of work that was done to build the tabernacle and those were all off limits. So they took those 39, and from those original 39, by the time of Jesus' day, had morphed into 1,500 rules. Now, you say, what is that? Well, let me give you a couple. Um, sewing, here's, here's, here's some of the ones involved, some of the categories of labor involved in building the tabernacle. Sewing, Plowing, reaping, binding sheaves, threshing, winnowing, selecting food, grinding, sifting. So no grinding your own coffee on the Sabbath day. Sifting, kneading, baking, shearing wool, washing wool, beating wool, dyeing wool, spinning, weaving, making two loops, weaving two, two threads. Because if you'll, you'll read in Exodus, you're going to find that they had, this is exactly what they were commanded to do. So you couldn't do this on Sabbath. Separating two threads. Tying, untying, sewing two stitches, tearing in order to sew two stitches, trapping, you know, like trapping animals, can't do that, slaughtering, sorry, Big Mike, not on, not on Saturday, flaying, salting, curling, curling a hide, scraping a hide, cutting it up, writing uh, two letters, <laughs> you can do one, I don't know, erasing two letters, building, tearing down, extinguishing fires, kindling a fire, hammering and transporting an object from one domain to the other. <laughs> Matt says they need to be more specific. Uh, is that not amazing? And, and from those rules, if you start with those as the foundation, and then you say, I want to build a fence around, well, you know, we can't, we can't sew two threads, so if we don't sew three threads, we'll be sure we don't get to two. And then another guy, hey, let's not do three. Let's make that five. Well, let's make that ten. Next thing you know, there's no sewing. Um, and uh, the bottom line is they, they took these 39 rules and made them go crazy. Um, and now you can see the why of the conflict and the intensity of it that Jesus has with the Pharisees 
uh, regarding the Sabbath. Interesting. I, I hope it was. I know tonight, if you're listening, I know tonight was more of a teaching, geeking out kind of thing a little bit. I understand that. Um, but I do think it's important. And I hope you learned something tonight. Probably heard something you never heard before. And, uh, I, it, you know, again, thank the Lord for Ariel Ministries and Dr. Frutenbaum. I saw, did you see Pastor Danny? He's going to be at a conference cone here with uh, Dr. Andy Wood and with... Um, Pastor Charlie Bing and some some of our some of the guys Pastor Danny and I run around with. I was, I was excited to see that. So um, really really exciting. All right, good. All right, next week we'll, we'll now next week we'll actually get into the story and get down in there and move on because we're going to run into this three or four times I believe in the gospel accounts where Jesus has a direct conflict over the Sabbath and I don't want to do this every single time so now you've had your foundation and uh, if you want any more information I'll I'll set you up with it if you want to know all right let's pray and we'll be dismissed Lord thank you for the teaching of your word tonight thank you for the folks who have listened and Lord we're, Lord, we're so thankful for uh, just the the opportunity of rest and Lord help us be uh, reminded of the importance of rest and the importance of relationships and the importance of how we walk with you. And uh, Lord, thank you for the, the people of Israel. We pray for them even now. Lord, I continue to pray for the hostages that are still being held. I pray for their freedom. Lord, I pray that our country and our president would have some moral fortitude to stand and do what is right. God, I pray that you would um, just bless every person that's here tonight as we head back tomorrow into our workplaces and the responsibilities that we have. God, I pray you'd unite us together as we come back together on Sunday. And Lord, thank you so much for this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here tonight. God bless you. We will see you, Lord willing, on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday.